eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. New way of doing this podcast time. Let's see how this works out time. Pardon our progress time. I guess even a faulty podcast is better than no podcast time. Whatever time of day it is, boys boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. It's not just me on this podcast. We're doing something a little bit different here. We're, this is the first time that we're trying this, that we're trying to get every staff member here on one podcast when we're not all in the same room. We're using some new software, so we hope everything goes according to plan. Uh, if it doesn't, as always, that's Ryan Callahan's fault, and you can contact him on Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, speaking of Ryan Callahan, he's one of the guys on this podcast, obviously. Got the full staff, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey. Fellas, what is up? Nothing. Nothing? Out. I feel like everybody, I guess. Everybody, right? I mean, this is so... Weird. This is a new thing for us too, because we're all in different areas here, and we're all gonna work through some kinks here. But but you know what? You know who has adjusted really well to a new reality? I would say is the Tennessee football team, guys. We've had a lot of breaking news podcasts lately, and the reason for that is Tennessee has gone on maybe the most ridiculous bender I've ever seen. Uh, maybe any football program, but definitely Tennessee football that I can remember. I know Butch Jones and his staff had one. Uh, particularly busy orange carpet day years ago. But in terms of the caliber of prospects uh, in, in the time that they're getting them in here, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like this. And I'm going to go to Ryan first because he's covered recruiting more than any of us have over the years. Ryan, is, is there any precedent for something like this that you've seen? I mean, this has just been crazy. We sort of discussed it before that I think, you know, maybe the closest comparison you could have would be a big finish on signing day. You know, Tennessee got five guys, including some really good players on December signing day uh, this this past year. And then, you know, you've had some orange carpet days in the past under under Butch Jones where they they racked up commitments. I think they got eight one year on the same day. Um, So you've had some high volume events like that. But I don't think we've ever seen one quite like this where you're talking just a daily thing. Okay. Who's committing today um, for, for a span of 10 days and, and for Tennessee to be getting really good players throughout that entire stretch. I mean, it started with maybe the biggest surprise of all uh, a five-star edge rusher from Alabama, Dylan Brooks beating out LSU, Auburn, Alabama for a guy like that. And, and it's just been quality player after quality player since then. 
uh, a second five-star in there in Terrence Lewis, the, the linebacker from South Florida. So to have two five-stars in less than a week is really what separates this, along with just kind of the day-after-day the day repeated nature of, of adding quality players to this class. It's, it's pretty unheard of, and I, I haven't seen anything like it in the time I've covered recruiting. And, and granted, it started kind of, I don't want to say innocently enough, because when, you, when, you, when you're Tennessee and, and really if you're any program, you had a five-star edge rusher, the number one player at his, at his position in, in the entire 2021 class, you know, that's big for anybody. But Tennessee's sitting there at the time, 17th nationally, I believe, in, in the team recruiting rankings. And, and Dylan Brooks pops up on this Sunday, I guess about, was it nine days ago now, nine, ten days ago, whatever it is, if I can do math. And Grant, this happened – at that point, I know that you're covering more and more recruiting now, too. Was there any sort of sense that this would be the start of something like this? I mean, you can't predict anything this crazy happening, but when that happened, did it seem like that could kind of flip a switch and get things going for Tennessee? Uh, if, if it was a, possible, a possibility, I wasn't aware of it. I think when Ryan called me uh, Sunday morning, that Sunday morning started talking about stuff that he had heard about Dylan Brooks. And that was at at that point was a pretty big kind of whoa moment in terms of that's a five-star edge rusher. That's the number one guy in the state of Alabama, you know, that Auburn and Alabama and LSU and schools like that were off, uh, were after. Uh, so that was a pretty big surprise right there for me in itself. And when it happened that Sunday afternoon, uh, no, I had no idea that it was going to kind of domino the way it's domino. But at the same time, there's, you know, a handful of these players that Tennessee was, certainly in the mix for uh, kind of at the top of their list. And you kind of had some uh, announcement dates in mind that, that some of those kids had put out there, but for them to do it day after day, I don't to stack them up the way they have. I don't know how much planning went into that. I don't know how much it's the kids or the coaches or everybody involved together, but uh, the way it's happened, the way everybody's been stuck at home and Tennessee seems to kind of have the eyes of uh, the recruit football recruiting world on it right now and for them to continue having success like ryan said it's like daily who you're, you're trying to figure out who's the next guy that's going to commit and when's it going to happen because it feels like it happens uh, once every 24 hours and as a teaser we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second segment when we look forward and and, and speak about tennessee's recruiting kind of how the numbers fit together uh, some guys that still could you know pop as they say here in the next couple weeks or or, or this this whatever period of time you want to use. Uh, we got plenty to talk about in that second segment, but, but in the first segment, we're just kind of recapping everything that's happened and discussing this because there's so many, it's almost like you, t- you talk about the forest and the trees and it's like, we've had so many trees we've had to discuss lately that, that I don't know if we've really kind of sat back and discussed this thing as a forest. And, and Pat, I know you and I, you know, we spend more of our time obviously covering team stuff than we do recruiting stuff, but we're around all that. And, um, you know, for a time of the year where there's not a lot of team news going on, there was no spring practice. I mean, we've put all hands on deck for this thing because it's been this crazy. Could you have imagined at the start of the quarantine that we would be sitting here having this much news to discuss? No way. I mean, I don't know how you, how you would prepare for it. And, uh, I do remember Grant texting me that that Sunday when Brooks submitted and was like, "Hey, ranking story, get working on it. It might happen soon." And I'm like, "Wait, what? Really?" I mean, I, I know Brooks had been on campus a couple times. I think one time I tried to help Ryan get in touch with him. He's not a big talker, um, and, and you know, he, I think we swapped texts a little bit, Brooks and I, after one of his visits for a junior day. But uh, yeah, and it's like we talked about on some of these these breaking news podcasts, Wes. It's like. Uh, the momentum kind of feeds into itself and, and you get sort of this monster kind of going. That's what, that's what Tennessee's been able to do. I mean, uh, you hear it all the time about 
players wanting to play with other great players. Well, you know, recruits are taking notice of who's committing to Tennessee and uh, where their class is ranked and, and who's jumping on board. And all these guys that are committing or, or hitting up other guys on Twitter saying, hey, when are you going to jump in? Hey, we want you, these kind of things. And, um, you know, you hear Jeremy Pruitt talk about it a lot, how, you know, your current team and your current commits are sometimes some of your best recruiters. And uh, I think Tennessee's benefited from that. And, and, you know, I do think maybe the the current circumstances have helped because coaches don't, you know, they're, they're not dealing with their current team as much. Now, obviously the coaches are still having to make sure their guys are handling what they need to academically with uh, the semester finishing up online. That's obviously new territory for a lot of people. A lot of players probably have different challenges depending on, on where they're at, but um, you know, the coaching staff has, has gone full in on recruiting and just cause of, you know, they haven't had guys on campus, but they did get those guys on campus uh, in January and February. And uh, they cultivated those relationships. They've been rec- recruiting a lot of these guys for uh, a long time and it's, it's paid off and, and they've just kind of got the ball rolling and um, it's not really showing any signs of stopping right now. Yeah. Ryan, I know that, that give or take, I know that, that it's not like we ever go into a, a a year our analysts and saying we have to have X number of five-star prospects. I guess if there are guys who deserve to be, that they get that respect or, or that, that, are, that are that kind of caliber prospect, that's how many there are. But it, I'm just spitballing out here. Would you say about 30 a year? Is that about what it maybe comes down to in an average year? Well, it depends on what you're talking about specifically in the, in the 24-7 sports composite that can vary year to year. In the 24-7 sports rankings, it's exactly 32 every year. Uh, we, we sort of gradually expand yeah. that pool and get up to 32 to, to mimic the first round of the NFL draft. But that number's lower right now. So obviously a guy in Dylan Brooks's range, who's currently a four-star, if he stays ranked where he is right now, there's a good chance he'll be a five-star uh, on signing day. He would be a five-star because he's in the top 32. So that's uh, that's sort of how that works, but that pool expands throughout the yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I was talking about with the kind of composite stuff. I know it can be a, a little bit different, and and we have that that it's kind of like uh, the the kernel secret recipe for KFC. There, we're not we're not going to give out our, <laughs> our our secrets on all that stuff. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, even I don't understand all of it, but I do believe in the guys who are doing it, and, and they're the best in the business, and I, I love the way they handle this. But Ryan, I guess my point is this. Let's say spitball at 30, 32. That's how many five stars there are in a year, right? Anytime, you know, you see a top 50 or a top 100 guy or a four-star, people kind of pay attention. But when you hear five-star, that kind of gets everyone's attention, I think. People who are just kind of casual college football fans, even they go, wow, a five-star, huh? There's, there goes a five-star. He's going to Ohio State or Bama or Georgia or Clemson or wherever. And when one says he's going to Tennessee, and, and I can't help but think that this thing got started – with a you know one of those five star you know guys committing, does that kind of get things started even quicker? Does that get people's attention and say, "Hey, whoa, something's happening here"? Because this is not an in-state five star. This is a kid from out of state. Yeah, well, that's that's the crazy thing about this entire run is Tennessee's doing all of this out of state, um, and that's you know usually if you have a run this long, uh, most teams that rely on in-state talent at all are going to get an in-state player at some point, if not to start things, but at some point during that run. I think I think Dylan Brooks, yeah, because he was a five star, because he was so well respected by a lot of people. Um, this is a guy who's a consensus, you know, top one hundred player, even even though there there are differing ratings on him. The you know, you know, comes out to be a five star in the twenty four seven sports composite, but he's he's a well respected player nationally in, in every major outlet. So to see a guy like that, it gave Tennessee instant credibility, I think, and and that's that's usually the case. Uh, but especially during a time like this, when there's nothing else happening, you know, guys aren't distracted by seven on seven. Uh, their own spring schedules, their own spring practices, um, their own visits they're taking. They're sort of all focusing on 
commitments and, and they're they're happening more frequently this year during this downtime maybe because of that but when you have that sort of all eyes on recruiting uh, and not just everything else that's going on I think it, it it made it an even bigger deal for Tennessee to get jump started like that and as it's gotten as it's kind of snowballed and gotten even bigger uh, that's made Tennessee's story even more impressive and, and gained more recognition for them uh, so yeah now that they're up to number two nationally in the 24 7 sports composite team ranking that it's that much bigger of a deal but yeah getting a five-star like that and especially that second five-star Terrence Lewis once you saw Tennessee getting that kind of quality player and even guys like Kamar Wilcox in the top 247 player getting guys like that just gave Tennessee enough credibility that I think guys that, that maybe weren't paying as much attention to Tennessee start saying hey they're, they're starting to get it going there they're what I was hearing about Tennessee before I, maybe I can believe that now yeah because you, you look at the areas of these guys that have committed during this kind of this heater this bender that Tennessee's been on you got you know the south you got South Florida Miami area uh, you know, you've got rural Alabama, you've got the Atlanta area with a couple guys, a guy who plays uh, down in IMG, uh, but he's originally another Atlanta area kid. You, you've got Rockingham County in, in North Carolina. You know, you, you just you, you go down Tallahassee, Florida, where Deshaun Rucker, hashtag Team Ruckers, uh, is from. You, you go Tyon Evans is at a Kansas junior college, but he's originally not from there, obviously. Uh, you've got just all over the place on these guys that are coming in here. And, and Grant, I, I guess what I'm asking here is, you know, when you, when you hire a coach, it's like you kind of you plant a seed that day. And you don't know when things are going to start growing. But it looks to me like this staff now, that, that Jeremy Pruitt, the guys that he's put around him, they got work to do on the field. We all know that. They're in a good direction, six in a row. But it seems like now – they kind of this thing has kind of turned into a, a well-oiled machine right now. Would that be a fair guess or, or a fair? I don't want to say assumption, but that be a fair comment to make. Uh, it certainly seems like it's uh, functioning right now uh, like a well-oiled machine, and I think it, it goes back to stuff Pruitt has said uh, recently. I guess during the shutdown about how at this point in his Tennessee career, a couple of years in, that he finally has a foundation to kind of recruit from. He's not. He's not really the new guy anymore. He's kind of a guy that's been here and established himself a little bit. And, yeah, they've had hiccups on the field. Um, and they had their problems early on in the 2019 season. They obviously turned it around and closed that season the way they did uh, with the six straight wins and whatever it was, seven out of eight, uh, beating Indiana the way they did to carry the momentum to the, into the offseason. Uh, and like we've talked about on these recent breaking podcasts, it's not only Pruitt, uh, and you, you talk about planting a seed with him with look at all these other guys that he's brought in and Niedermeyer and Ansley and T Martin and the collection of recruiters on this staff that they've put together. Uh, and I guess the way they're working together and functioning uh, well oiled machine is one way to put it because uh, the number of talent, talented recruiters they have on the staff and the way they work together. Uh, I think it trickles down from Pruitt starts with him. He's a really good recruiter. He's a, apparently a pretty good head coach with the program he's building right now. Uh, and it, it goes down to those guys that we mentioned that are recruiting so well. Yeah, Pat, do you ever, you know, you, you've been a guy, you, you've been around Tennessee football a lot too. I think all of us, I don't know if there's a staff out there that has as much kind of combined years of covering Tennessee as, as we do. And we've all been around this for a while now. And have you ever kind of seen a, a Tennessee coaching staff that kind of had as much recruiting chops as this one does? It seems like on this staff, there are maybe four guys who, if you put them in an average school, they would be the star recruiter at that school. Like in most places in the SEC, even, you know, you have a couple of these guys I can think of right now, just looking at the list, three or four of these guys that anywhere they went, they might be the top recruiter at that school. And they're all kind of on one staff now. And you, you kind of see what Pruitt's been building here. I mean, have you ever seen anything quite like this with the staff and the recruiting in general? 
uh, not since I've been covering the program, which was about 2010. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Philip Fulmer and some of his staffs, I mean, I don't think you bring in the caliber of players that, that Tennessee was bringing in back during its heyday in the 90s without having some some stud recruiters, obviously recruiting mm-hmm. 25 years ago and recruiting now is, you know, <laughs> I don't know if apples to, to oranges is, is enough of a drastic comparison in, in terms of how just the recruiting game has changed so much. But, no, I mean, you look at it, they've got, what, three, you know, former 24-7 sports national recruiters of the year on the staff. Yep. I mean, um, if you if you look at our recruiter rating, rankings right now, I mean, they're a fraction of a point away from having the top four guys in the SEC with uh, Ansley, T, Niedermeyer, and, and now Jay Graham, who's um, a North Carolina guy that, that's helped them in that state, which is obviously a very talent-rich state. And, and North Carolina is obviously recruiting very well in their own state right now. But uh, I guess maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this recruiting explosion just because of some of the guys they have on, on this staff who have uh, proven themselves as, as very good recruiters and have uh, strong and deep and, um, you know, really good ties to a lot of different areas. I mentioned uh, Jay Graham being in North Carolina, obviously T. Martin and, and Derek Ainsley have done a lot in Alabama. That's, you know, that's their home state. That's their neck of the woods and uh, their connections in that state have helped Tennessee. And, um, but like Grant said, I think it starts with Pruitt. I think he demands his guys to recruit every day. That's that's how Pruitt sort of uh, made his way in, in in the coaching game was by being a, a kind of a grinder and a guy that uh, built his reputation on being a strong recruiter when he was at Alabama. And um, now that he's running the program and, and obviously has limitations on how much he can do in recruiting as a head coach, um, he, he's expecting his assistants to do that. And I think he's targeted and brought in some guys that um, – you know, have a lot of recruiting experience and have proven track records of bringing in really talented players. And even some of the new guys they brought in, I think Joe Osavid and Shelton Felton probably deserve some credit here too, because yep. uh, those two guys have, have brought some energy um, and uh, particularly in recruiting. And, and I think that's paid off and, and, you know, Felton's got connections in Georgia as well from being a high school coach there. Osavid obviously has some connections up in the Northeastern part of the country where he was a head coach and uh, a junior college and, and sort of that Maryland area, I don't, I don't know what the, the name of it is, Ryan. You probably would know what what the term is for it up there. But um, he, he's got some some connections up there, and, and Tennessee's just using these guys, and, and those guys are tapping their connections, and it's it's all coming together, and it's paying off right now. Yeah, I've got a, a, a you know a theory as to there was a reason why when Tennessee was gonna had a vacancy and, and was looking into to which coaches to to hire and we don't need to go back and relive that entire thing. It was a mess, right? I mean, it was the most ridiculous coaching coaching search I think any of us probably have ever seen. And I've been doing this for about two decades now. I've never seen anything quite like it. But the reason why I really liked the hire of Jeremy Pruitt and the reason why he was on the board, for me, at least at, least at the beginning, in terms of a guy they, they could talk to and should talk to, was because if you want to go get a, a perfect situation, one that's not going to fail, okay, then then go get – you know, Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, I guess you put Dabo Swinney in that category now and, and pay him a ton, a ton of money and you're going to win. It's guaranteed. Uh, But if you're not going to do that, you're going to have to piece together something else. And what I really liked about Jeremy Pruitt from the beginning was he'd never been a head coach at any level of the game. And that was a huge question mark. Um, But anyone you're taking other than those top three or four guys, you're taking some kind of risk. But Pruitt was a guy who was an excellent recruiter, was a former national recruiter of the year, and 
an elite, not good, not great, but an elite defensive coordinator uh, at the SEC level, at the highest level of college football. So if you have to take a guy who's never been a head coach before, why not take the guy who you know off the right off the bat, he, he can do a couple of the things that you just absolutely have to do to succeed as a head coach. He knows how to recruit. He lives and breathes it every day. And he has been a coordinator, so you know X's and O's on at least one side of the ball. He's brilliant at. So you've got a pretty good foundation there to start with. And, and Ryan, I guess what I'm asking here before we go to break is I'm going to ask you this. Is how much of this or is any of this a surprise to you that things have started to kind of click into motion and go this smooth with what they're doing here? Because when Bryn Pruitt got there, I think we all knew he could recruit. But, but did you think that, that this, this kind of thing was possible? You know, I – what, what sold me was kind of maybe a little bit the way last season finished, but more so what they did on early signing day and on national signing day. I thought that was a sign of a program really starting to build something because you saw them essentially go five for five on early signing day, getting some really good players, Laneith Whitehead, uh, Tyler Barron, Morgan Joseph, finishing with a splash there, and then eventually climbing into the top 10 on national signing day by adding Malachi Weidman and Dee Beckwith at the last minute. So, to, to see them close that way. And we've seen Jeremy Pruitt have some big late recruiting wins. Uh, I, I've said before, he, he does some of his best work when he gets to sort of focus all of his energy and time on recruiting. And I think that's one of the things about this period that's that sort of played into his favor and why they've frankly just outworked some teams with what they've done. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he does really good work in those situations and that, that gives you a chance. But to see Tennessee do that well with that many important guys to them, I think was a sign that they were going to be able to build off of what they did at the end of last season and maybe take the next step. And this year, I think the other big thing he's done is he's adapted as a head coach. We talked about it before. He was willing to make some some changes to his staff, and he's upgraded, I think, both years, both off-seasons. And this year, as you said, the depth of the recruiting staff they have now, T. Martin, Jay Graham, Derek Ainsley, Brian Niedermeyer, uh, and adding a guy like you know, Jay Graham, Shelton Felton, Joe Osavet, they, they've really they've got a, a deep enough staff that almost any of those guys can win a, a major recruiting battle now. So you put all that together – it's year three. They've been building relationships with guys for a long time now. They've been recruiting their own state for a long time. They weren't very familiar with the state of Tennessee at first. All of that put put it together, and it's a program that, that has a chance to start to turn the corner. And that's why, you know, certainly I didn't see this happening during this stretch, but I'm not surprised in hindsight because of what we knew they were starting to do with, with early signing day, national signing day, and the end of last season. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot to talk about here because Tennessee's class now is getting to a point where – you know, there's a bunch of guys in this class. It's one of the larger, I, th- I think it's, as far as I can tell, the largest, you know, class of commitments or number of commitments of any team in the country, of which the, the, I've seen anyways. Have any of you guys seen proof to the contrary there, or have you seen Tennessee at the top? I believe that's right. Ohio State, I think, is right behind them at 17. Yeah, so, and yeah. Ohio State's class is an absolute juggernaut. Those guys in Columbus are doing what they normally do, which is put together just incredible rosters. Um, but what you're, what I guess what I'm saying here is there's a lot that could happen with this Tennessee class. You know, there's a long way to go until the early signing period. There's a long way to go to National Signing Day. Uh, there's a long way to go before we even maybe really know will the recruiting calendar be affected, how much of this stuff will be impacted. You know, I we, we talk about could the season, you know, be be shifted a little bit, and that's obviously a possibility. Well, what about the recruiting calendar? So there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things we don't know right now. 
but uh, I would rather take the guys and then have problems later than than you know you know have these problems and not have the players to begin with. I think that's a good place for Tennessee to start. But we're going to step away, guys. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, and when we come back, we're definitely going to talk about where this thing goes from here because at this point, man, this thing could go just about anywhere, probably to a good place, uh, but just about anywhere. Hashtag. Ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during the commercial break. Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey coming to you from parts uh, scattered across the uh, greater Knoxville area. I would say Knox County, but one of us, I won't mention names, but one of us is... Uh, that's Ramey. He just spoke up. Is not. Uh, he is uh, not in Knox County. He's in the Blount County Satellite Office at GoVols twenty four seven. We're talking Tennessee recruiting here. Before we do that, though, I, I do want to mention this. You know, we can look at this is an analytical world that we're in now. You know, it's uh, pretty much you know you see it in sports, you see it in business, you see it all over the place. We can look at data. And what I'm trying to tell you here is this: I see the number of people listening to this podcast every month. And that number does not jive with the number of ratings and reviews that are on these product, you know, on these these uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, wherever it is, and it's kind of almost a miracle that we've been able to get this many people to listen to it because in order to spread the word, you kind of need the ratings and reviews and all those things. So what I'm saying is this: long story short, guys, if you enjoy this podcast, go in there, rate it. I'm not going to tell you to rate it five stars. We would love that. We would love that. Um, but give us a rating in there. Uh, if there's something that we do well, tell people. It's like right now we're in quarantine. People want their Tennessee news. If you want, if you're a Tennessee fan and you got Tennessee friends who you think would like to hear this too, don't just tell them about it. This is how you tell everybody: go and rate and review this podcast because I can see how many people are listening to this thing. I have the numbers right here, and uh, we need more ratings and reviews. So go in there and do that. And uh, if you have something in there that you think we could do better. Let us know. A lot of people hate me. We all know that. Um, I think the rest of the guys on our staff here are generally more liked uh, for you know from the, the their uh, their Q ratings or whatever were probably better than mine. But go do that, guys. Go tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what you want us to do going forward, and uh, tell other Tennessee people 
about this. Guys, Tennessee football recruiting uh, has been on an absolute tear in the past, I guess, 10 days it is. Did we say 9 or 10? We're recording this and releasing it on a Tuesday. So would you say 10 days, guys? 10, 10 days by my count. I'm very good at math, mind you. This is the 10th day since it started, so it depends on how you do the math. But, yeah, this this is the 10th day of this run, and you know we'll see if it continues. Because Ramey's also a part kindergarten teacher now, so if it's small numbers – I think he's our guy to go to right now. I think that's a We've pretty We've been working thing. on teen numbers and long A sounds and long I sounds. I got it. Uh, now, in, in Blount County, do they teach English the same way? Or do they, do they, is it slightly more accented? Listen, in Maryville City Schools, every school, every student gets an iPad, okay? That and is true. E-learning has continued, so. That is I can true. say the same for Knox County, though. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> As someone who's married to a Knox County teacher. This episode of the Go Vault 24-7 podcast brought to you by the Maryville City School Department, uh, giving all yes, kids sir. iPads. Guys, this right here, Tennessee has been on an absolute tear here. We, we've seen maybe never anything quite like this. You know, a couple couple five-star prospects have jumped in the boat, a bunch of four-star guys, uh, a couple three-stars who I think maybe could be four-stars before the end of this evaluation period in this class. A couple of those guys I think look pretty darn good for three-stars on film. Uh, I'm not the guy who makes that call, but some of these guys, bottom line is, these are not guys that Tennessee's just taking to take. These are guys that uh, basically just about anybody would take in most of these cases. And Ryan, I guess what I'm asking you is this. I'll start with you as the recruiting guy here, the main recruiting guy. What, where does this thing go from here? How many more guys are, are potentially in play in the next, oh, I don't know, couple weeks or so? And at what point does this thing have to start tapering down or maybe even culling a little bit to get to the final number? Yeah, I, I, I wish I could tell you I knew how many more they, they were going to get before this is all said and done, but I – the crazy thing is you just keep hearing different names pop up that, that Tennessee is either trending with has really made a move with and has a shot at, um, you know, I, I think they've made up some ground with some guys uh, that they were trailing for here lately, because, you know, maybe in part because of this, maybe in part just because of what's happened during the dead period, but you just keep hearing more and more names that are in play now more so than they were before. So I think this thing is starting to feed into itself. We heard that a little bit with, with Colby Smith, the four-star offensive tackle who committed to the Vols on Monday uh, talking about, you know, that this thing maybe sped up his timeline a little bit, seeing Tennessee start to fill up. He saw North Carolina start to do the same thing and he wanted to make sure he had a spot in the class he wanted to be in. So he decided to maybe decide on a school a little bit sooner than, than anticipated at first. So, you know, for, for that to be the case, you know, I think you're seeing some other guys who are taking a hard look at Tennessee and saying, you know, I, I might want to get in this, uh, this class before it's too late. So I, I can't say for sure how many, but I, we know of at least a few that are looking at making decisions pretty soon. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of pointed to Sunday, this, this coming Sunday is a big day. Caden Salter, the four-star quarterback from Texas is announcing that day. So, yeah, Salter, not Slater. Remember that. Cause I, right. I keep wanting to call him Slater, like AC Slater. <laughs> and then, uh, and then four-star linebacker, Aaron Willis, uh, out of Baltimore, the St. Francis Academy, the same school that produced Dominic Bailey, the Vols freshman defensive lineman. So uh, a couple guys announcing there and then some others that, at least there's some chatter that maybe uh, something could happen relatively soon, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes to fruition there. But yeah, the bottom line is I don't think they're done. I, I don't think we've closed the book on this, on this crazy stretch just yet. And, and we'll see if, you know, see if they can add somebody even, even before Sunday, I, I don't know that it's a given, but they, there's always a chance the way they've got things rolling and just how much we've been hearing, but uh, they're, they're not done. And I'm not sure that all that worried about the numbers, frankly, I think you just, at this point, you're, you're more than seven months from the early signing period. Just keep taking guys. If, if they're getting players you want, and they definitely are, 
keep taking them, let the numbers sort of sort themselves out later. It may be a chaotic year anyway, once things open back up. So keep taking guys as long as you can get them if they're players you like. Yeah. And Grant, I know that, that, you know, the rules are usually different for kind of like a five-star caliber player, right? A five-star for the most part uh, can commit whenever they want, whenever they want. And then if someone has to make way, it will not be them. Uh, they they kind of get to live in their own little world. But a lot of other recruits and even a lot of four-star prospects for certain schools, um, they have to consider the timeline because if there's a spot available and another player comparable to them takes it, well, then that kid just drank their milkshake and they got to find another school. So there, there's some element of, of, of speed involved in this and, and decision in the decision-making process. And Grant, what I'm asking you is this, if you're a kid who even you're, you're a pretty good player, you're a four-star prospect, you got a lot of options. If Tennessee's one of your choices right now and up there near the top of your list, you almost kind of have to think about committing now, right? Because there's got to be some pressure here. Even if Tennessee's not the ones applying it intentionally, um, it's just a matter of spots, right? I mean, we saw Jay Graham, Tennessee's running backs coach, tweet out the picture of the reservation table saying, listen, guys, first come, first serve. You you want to come, this is the time to do it. So if you're a kid, you probably got to think about that in the back of your mind, don't you? No doubt. If, if Tennessee's one of the schools where uh, you entered this shutdown legitimately thinking that's a place you could land, um, and you, especially if you're seeing other guys at your position join this class, like you mentioned, um, yeah, I think you have to start trying to kind of speed yourself up in terms of do I really want to go to Tennessee or am I okay landing somewhere else? Do I have another spot in mind where uh, I'll have a spot in this class if I need to go there if something happens and this can, this momentum continues at Tennessee? And I think there's an amount of peer pressure too. Uh, if you watch Terrence Lewis on Twitter and Dylan Brooks and all these guys, Kamar Wilcoxon, the way they have fun with it on Twitter and the way Tennessee coaches are having fun with it on Twitter as well. I think there's a little bit of pressure there from – these guys I mean I mean what else really do you have to do right now but sit there and stare at it and think about it because everything in the world is shut down and everybody's in the exact same situation stuck at home and I'm sure Tennessee you know this coaching staff has taken that to their advantage I think this time of year in normal circumstances they're you know starting to prioritize guys um, and you know doing in-homes and all that kind of stuff now they sit at home and talking to as many players as they can a day on zoom whatever I don't know how much pressure comes from that but Tennessee's going to be a factor more of a factor the more you hear from them and I think you have to worry about your spot in the class if you're legitimately thinking about Tennessee as a place you want to be so yeah that would that would certainly be something that Ryan, if I'm a kid I'm, I'm their issues I'm factoring that in yeah Ryan before we get to Pat I think you there's something else you want to mention about this too I, I didn't want to dismiss you from this because I had a question for Pat but go ahead I think there's something you want to say here too yeah yeah just you know Grant made a good point I think I think you're seeing you know people have heard that it's a dead period. Obviously, there are no visits, but there's I think there's been more contact, frankly, between players and coaches during this time because they're not doing anything. They're not practicing. A lot of kids aren't going to school. If they are, it's online classes. So um, there's more time for guys to sit around and talk to coaches. So it's helped them speed up the process. And it's hard to overstate how the uncertainty of everything really might be playing into all of this for, for not just the guys committing to Tennessee, but some of these guys committing to other schools nationally. They don't know when they're going to get to take visits again. And so uh, it's not just a matter of, you know, the pressure you might feel to jump into class. It's uh, to some extent, it's I might have already seen everything I'm going to see until September or, or later. We don't know yet. So some of these guys are saying, well, uh, let's look back at what I know. And what they know is there's, you know, the, the coaches they have the strongest relationships with, the schools they've been to. And this is where early visits are really coming into play. And for the most part, all these recent commitments have been to Tennessee, if not multiple times, they've at least been once. And they, they've been familiar with Tennessee. Tennessee's been one of the schools recruiting them hardest from the start. 
Uh, and that's that's been a big thing. So getting a, getting a foot in the door early and getting guys on campus multiple times early and, and just having that relationship is paying off because guys are just kind of looking around and saying, I can't wait till September. If, I, if that's the next chance for me to take visits, I don't I don't want to commit in October and, and risk having no, no choices. I want to go ahead and make my decision based on what I know now. And that's that's played into in the Tennessee's favor with a lot of these guys. You know, Pat, when you start looking at this recruiting class and if you put yourself in the position of a Tennessee coach, you know, this is always the delicate thing because you want to take the best players available. But you also there are certain numbers where you, you kind of have to have a certain number of guys. Right. Because you, you got to be covered in a position. I know Pruitt likes to, to sign versatile guys, but. You know, you, you got to make sure you're covered kind of at each position there uh, with, in terms of numbers for practice every day because Tennessee likes to two-spot, three-spot, four-spot practice to get guys as many reps as possible. And if, if you've got a whole bunch of more, you know, maybe guys on one side than the other side, then you're going to have a hard time kind of getting those reps distributed. So uh, at least against guys that are not walk-ons, the guys that are giving them a really good look every day. So no offense, walk-ons. So, Pat, what I'm asking here is – when you look at this class and you look at guys on Tennessee's roster now who are seniors or guys who are, you know, maybe could go pro early in some cases or transfer, what positions here would you like to see Tennessee kind of bolster in this class that aren't here, that aren't here right now? Well, I, I do think that this class is a little bit different in that, you know, when you first got here, if you're Jeremy Pruitt, this roster needed a complete overhaul. So you're, you're taking the best players you can get almost not, not, regardless of position, but you have so many needs that you may, you know, if you're choosy about which positions you take at the expense of others, it's not that big a deal because you need everything. Uh, I do think Tennessee is maybe moving out of that a little bit. It's interesting. um, As I look at this 2020 team, uh, Tennessee senior class is really big this year. Um, And and you compare that to what it's been uh, the first couple of seasons under Pruitt where it was maybe a dozen guys. I mean, this last senior class had 13 guys, but then there's five of them that are still on the roster through injuries, red shirts, Brandon Kennedy getting six year, what have you. Um, and this next senior class is going to have almost two dozen guys. I think it's almost 24, 25 scholarship guys. So um, obviously I think the defensive line is, is a big need because they're losing seven seniors off that group. Um, I know people have asked if they're going to red shirt somebody. I, that's a, that's a tough thing to say you know we don't know if that could happen it might not but um, I think that's the position I think cornerback is a position maybe not um, for the 2021 team but uh, obviously you're losing Sean Schamberger you're losing um, you know Bryce Thompson Alante Taylor uh, potentially you know maybe Bryce after this season both those guys after the 2021 season so that's position where you need to start building some guys and then um, you look at the linebacker spots they're still thin there um, even though they don't necessarily have a lot of seniors, you always have to bring in a certain number of guys on the offensive line, um, whether it's three, four guys a year. Um, and, and so maybe wide receiver is a position you could maybe sacrifice a spot there to bring in somebody else just because they're going to be young there. But uh, and you always need at least one quarterback, I think, in every class. So yep. um, I would say the defensive line is probably a, a need, but um, and, and Ryan, I think, probably has a better gra- grasp on how many guys are going to take at each spot. But just looking at the roster, I think defensive line, maybe cornerback, um, and maybe linebacker. Those are three spots on defense, and, and they've added a lot of good players on defense during this run. I think so. They're they're on their way to addressing that, and uh, they got the offensive tackle that they needed. I think tackle was a spot, um, given that they signed some interior guys in the 2020 class to get Colby Smith as a tackle. Um, I think that was uh, another need that that was addressed um, earlier this week. But um, yeah, I, I think they are moving out of that that 
that state of, of taking whatever you can because you have needs everywhere. I think they're, they're getting to the point now where uh, they, they can sort of go into a, into a cycle, a recruiting cycle, and say, okay, we need this many guys because we're losing this many guys and so on and so forth. Yeah, I like that point about offensive tackle because it, it's – um, it, for some reason, it's just harder to find offensive tackles than it is interior linemen. And a lot of times you sign a guy with the intention of, of or hope that he can play tackle, and then it ends up being like, oh, he's okay there, but he's a lot better at guard. You know, it just kind of happens that way a lot. I guess they're just harder athletes to find. But I want to throw that same question to, to both y'all. I'll go to, I guess, Grant and then Ryan. Um, in, in that order, guys, when you look at the class positionally, what kind of needs do you still see? If, if, and you could say take the best player, sure, but, but are there any positions that you're looking at saying, yeah, Tennessee could use a little bit more there? Uh, defensive line, I don't think you can ever have enough big bodies. I mean, I'm sure there's a number cap on uh, a lot of these positions, but I think that's a position of need right now that sticks out the most to me because uh, you're going to need help there. And, and defensive line, you need to go out there and get somebody because um, you've, they've kind of picked and choose over the last couple of weeks of who they've got, you know, running backs, a wide receiver, edge rushers, linebackers. Uh, it seems like an offensive tackle, like Pat mentioned, add Colby Smith to the list that the next kind of logical thing is you need somebody, you need some help on the defensive line. And that That's the big one to me is you really are, are short on numbers there. And as, as Patrick pointed out, you're losing a lot of seniors at that position. Uh, you know, really only one true defensive lineman, in this class right now with Isaac Washington uh, being being the guy. You've got a couple edge rushers who, who will line up at defensive end when you're in four-man fronts, but, but those are those are outside backers in your base defense. So they need some of those 280, 300-pound guys and, and, and bigger. You know, they're, they're certainly in on, on a number of those guys and in good shape with a bunch, but you, you've got you to win some of those battles. And usually you have to wait longer to get big-time defensive linemen. So no surprise that Tennessee still has some work to do there. It, it's usually easier to get some, some early commitments that – uh, you know, on the offensive line or at skill positions, things like that. So I, I think that that's kind of where you want to be is, is you know, maybe zing, zeroing in a little bit on that is your main need that they still need to address. And then offensive line, they just got started on, on that group. So I think they need more there. Obviously, you want to come away with at least three offensive linemen in this class and, you know, maybe ideally four, but they could, they could, that could vary by one or so, just give, depending on what else happens. Uh, there's so many moving parts in all this. Let's not forget, Tennessee might need a kicker in this class. <laughs> that's not talked about right now. Uh, by a lot of people, but they're, they're losing Brent Samagli after this season. That's a big deal. And, and you know, do they are they willing to take a chance on a preferred walk on? I don't know, but that's that that is an important one that the Tennessee might still need to address, which is uh, almost unfortunate given all the guys Tennessee's in good shape with right now. Automaglia, Ryan, stop. Let's get <laughs> let's get his name right. And, and the interesting thing with the staff we've seen in these last two classes is they take guys that can play multiple positions, and that's what that that's gives them some flexibility is that some of these versatile players who could play uh tight end or running you know tight end or wide receiver they could play running back or wide receiver they could play defensive line and offensive line we've seen uh the staff take a few of those guys every year where uh it's like you know we get questions about them all the time about where they're going to play and so uh, guys in the secondary that can play multiple spots so i think that also uh, i don't want to say that muddies the board but uh it gives them the ability to say if the guy's committed you know he could if he takes up a spot in, in this position he could also be here. So that kind of flexibility, um, I think, is something that the staff, we've seen them do, and I think they'll continue to do that. And uh, I think that gives them some ability to uh, sort of adjust the board the way that they see. Tight, tight end and quarterback, too, I should throw in, are, are definitely big needs. You know, obviously, you're going to take a quarterback in every class. Um, that might end up being a bigger need than it looks right now, depending on what, what kind of attrition there may or may not be at that position over the next year or so. But since he's got to have a quarterback, 
tight end, they didn't really sign a true tight end in 2020. So they've got to have one, maybe two tight ends in this class. You know, they've got a bigger receiver in Julian Nixon who maybe could grow into tight end in the future, but we don't know what his, what his, what he's going to do physically and, and where he projects yet. So you've got to assume that you need at least one guy, if not two at that spot. And they're obviously in on a handful that they've got a realistic shot at. So those are, those are all big needs. And that's, that's the crazy thing is people are looking at the numbers and saying, how do you make all this work? And that's why I think Tennessee's sort of taking the approach of, we're going to take good players right now. It's only May and we'll sort this all out later. And a lot of it's probably going to sort itself out because once guys can start taking visits again, this thing may get pretty chaotic later this year. Yeah. Before we step out of here, I guess I should, um, there, there's one more question I want to ask before that. I guess I should have introduced the other guy on this podcast. Who's Gus, who's downstairs. I'm pretty sure barking his face off right now. You might be picking some of that up on the, the background. These microphones are pretty good, but guys, but before we step out of here uh, and I don't care in what order you go in here. So free for all here. Is there, when you look at this past, this run of guys, right? These eight, nine guys that have all jumped in the board here recently. Uh, is there a guy in that group for you that you think maybe he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle? Because, you know, you look at obviously the five stars, you know, you know, Brooks, Lewis, everybody's fired up about those guys, right? I mean, their, their film just jumps out. It looks like NASCAR wrecks when they're out there hitting guys. I mean, they're big time prospects. Um, but is there somebody else in this class who you think maybe it, it has not gotten enough love just because there's, there's been so much happening. The guy I would probably throw out there is, is the running back. I know he's the number one junior college uh, running back prospect in the country. So how do you say he's overlooked, but I just tie on Evans film. I really, really, really like his film. That guy looks every bit of about what is he five nine two twenty five. great feet, you know, good hit movement. He, he's pretty good in the open field. I, I just really like watching that guy for, for all y'all. Is there anybody out there that, that you think, Hey, he's maybe a lot better than, He's not maybe getting enough love right now. I like how you you set up the question and then you answer the question by taking my guy after I raise my hand saying that I wanted to go first. Well, so, I mean, do you want some, you. Do, do you want one of the other guys to go and then you can think of a guy, or do you, you, uh, say, you can say the no? Same no, guy. I, I I would pick. A, I will explain why Evans is my pick. Is is he was like kind of low key among all the guys. There was like no build up yep. to him committing. Like I think he just put a tweet out. And I think that's how he told the coaching staff uh, he committed. So just uh, with all the the Twitter hullabaloo that's been going on over these past 10 days, he was a guy that sort of slipped under the radar that he didn't like say, hey, I'm announcing this day, this time. Uh, he didn't build suspense for it. Um, and just like kind of cough, happened. Cough, and, cough, cough, Terrence Lewis, cough, cough, cough. Um, well, I mean, if a kid wants to build up suspense for his own moment, then you know, more or, power to him. But Amen. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you get the number one junior college running back to sort of, uh, you know, I think he's a guy that and, and I think Tennessee needs, um, you know, I think they need a, a sort of a ready plug and play running back uh, after the season. They're going to lose three seniors there with Ty Chandler, Tim Jordan, uh, Carlin Phil me or Phil Zames if you're Jeremy Pruitt. Phil Zames. Um, and, and if you bring in Evans to, you know, as more of a ready-made guy, maybe a freshman, uh, and we'll have to see how, you know, the three coming backs – uh, in this class, look, a couple of those guys could play different positions. Um, but if you, you, you look at a guy like Evans and you bring him bring him in and plug him in next to Eric Gray, that's a pretty good tandem to have uh, with some of the other guys too that uh, that could that could play um, that you brought in these last two classes. So I, that he would be my pick. Um, uh, I feel less strongly about him now, Wes, because you picked him. It's true. But I won't make you feel any better then because I was going to pick Evans too. Uh, I, I think, I just, <laughs> But I, I, I think he I think he flew into the radar partly because Tennessee just sort of did a really good job under the radar of sneaking in there and, and 
not letting anybody know that they were in as good a shape as they were. Because South Carolina placed him there, right? I mean, South Carolina placed placed him in the JUCO. There are differing stories on that. I I think they were at least involved in... in, Allegedly. Yeah, and getting him to to junior college. I don't know that they necessarily placed him. I've heard heard both sides on that. But regardless, they... um, Yeah, a lot of people thought South Carolina was the team to beat, and Tennessee just sort of, you know, Grant had written about him in the last few weeks. We knew he was majorly in play for Tennessee, but I don't think a lot of people did uh, to the extent that it was uh, the case. And so for Tennessee to come in and kind of swoop in and steal him away from South Carolina, that's a big pickup. And as you said, Patrick feels a major need. He's an early enrollee. Uh, you know, let's hope schools and everything are back in session like normal by January. But if he's if he's on campus in January and going through spring practice next year, you know that's a, that's a big deal and uh, has a chance to step right in and get a lot of carries. So I think him. But the the other choice in, in, in lieu of that, since you guys stole my pick, I I'll throw in Deshaun Rucker. I think he's a, a really good player. Yeah, a lot Don't of say people. it, Wes. How, how closely team are you Rucker? Guys um, he, he's, the, he's he's clearly we're clearly related. Just look at the pictures. We're clearly related. yeah. But I I you know he. A lot of speed, uh, a lot of versatility to add to the secondary. And anytime you're beating out Clemson and, and LSU, he says those two teams were both heavily involved with him. Anytime you're beating out teams like that, and, and this is the kid that had Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Miami, a bunch of big offers. Uh, you're beating out schools like that for a, for a versatile piece in the secondary. And, and this is the guy Tennessee prioritized right away from the time they offered him in January. Uh, and that was one of his first big offers. So give them a lot of credit for finding him early, staying on him and going into Tallahassee and stealing away a guy like that from uh, you know, Florida State in his backyard, Clemson, LSU, teams like that. That's that's a big win, and to me, one that's probably not gotten quite enough attention uh, during this crazy stretch. We we got back to our old tricks where there's eight options and Ryan takes all eight of them. <laughs> my, my, Mine was stolen, so I took more things. What's your favorite letter? A, B, C, D. I really like E. The more uh, things change, the more they they stay the same. There's a podcast on Zoom, and here we are. Ryan's doing these up his old tricks. I like the Deshaun Rucker pick. Uh, obviously, not the biggest dude in the world, but versatile. Um, Big if heart. I'm picking Big somebody heart. else, Colby Smith, uh, just because he's six seven and that's a large human. Uh, he's a big dude, long arms. I think he's going to get a lot bigger. I mean, he's only at two ninety five, listed two ninety five right now uh, in a college weight room program. Uh, the way he moves, uh, I don't know if if you watch this tape, I don't know how good the level of competition is there where he's from, uh, but the way he finishes some blocks against some of those poor kids that he's facing. Uh, it's pretty fun to watch in the way he celebrates uh, those those blocks that he finishes. So uh, kind of like the attitude from him and, and the size of the frame that he's got. He could be a really good player. How yeah. would you describe the level of competition in Rockingham County, North Carolina, to uh, Sullivan County, where you played? Uh, pretty good, pretty pretty comparable. I would be I'd be on the receiving end of one of those blocks if he if he pulled. <laughs> The other thing about uh, Tyon Evans is is when you're coming from Hutchinson Community College, Tennessee fans automatically think of two guys. Oh, yeah. Alvin Kamara and Cordell Patterson, who were two of the most electric players that played at Tennessee in the past decade. So uh, that obviously gets people fired up as well, even though he's he's not that kind of guy. He's, what, 5'9", 225-pound running back. Yeah, he, he's a Travis Henry-looking build, basically, is, is what, what he is at the running back position. But, hey, if he's a fraction, if he's three-quarters or half of what Travis Henry was, that's a pretty darn good player. But we'll skip over that Tennessee took Art Green, the defensive back at Hutchinson last year, and then they ended up not signing him. That wouldn't. Well, they didn't sign him, so it doesn't count. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Didn't happen. Yep. Uh, and I will. Yeah, I'll, Hutchinson, they got a good history. Yeah, I'll say this too. I, I did not mention Deshaun Rucker for obvious reasons. I didn't want to be biased. I took him out of the equation. Uh, but uh, let me tell you this: I, I never get involved in things like this. If you don't think. If you think for one second that I'm not going to be just barat, just going on an absolute tear with our recruiting analysts 
until they bump him up to five star status. You, you're you got another thing coming. I'm gonna be standing on the table. Listen, listen. Rucker's not like a Smith. It's not like Smith or Johnson, right? There's not like a ton of them. There have been seven people named Rucker to play in the National Football League. Proportionately, it's a pretty pretty strong name. So if you're looking at at you know if you're looking at history there, I'm just saying, guys, it's a compelling argument. Is there any question over how quickly he's going to end up in the dojo once he arrives on campus? Well, that would be the only thing. If he gets up to a, if he if he goes up to four star, five star, he can't be uh, a ninja of mine. So oh. so that's that's the problem. And we don't make exceptions. There are no family exceptions to that policy. So let's just I'll, I'll, let's put it this way: either he gets to be a ninja, or I'll get my way, and he'll be uh, a five star by the time I'm done with this recruiting. Meanwhile. How about you shave your face and then we'll talk about whatever. No one has on to see this right now. If we're going to use this pod software and I have to watch the video. I mean, it looks like I'm getting uh, an analyst from under an overpass uh, hobo out of his cardboard box. Tell me about football players. I did wake up a couple days ago and when I looked over, my wife had a pair of scissors in her hand and she was like snipping. She was like, it's going to happen. That could Stop. mean something else, though. Yeah, I was like, "Were you going to cut my? Was it? Were you talking about the beard, or are you going to try to miss the beard and go right here for the neck? Is that what you're going for here?" But uh, yeah, long story short, I have not trimmed the the beard really at all during the quarantine, so I won't. Ugh. I'll spare you the details. Um, Awful. But it's um, it's not Doug Dynasty yet, but it's it's getting there. So, I mean, there's I see some stubble here too. You know, Raymond, you got more Somebody stubble than usual. Know. Pat, you got more stubble than usual. Ryan, I can't tell you. you're in kind of a dark, creepy it room is, over there, but. Complete shave. See, I, I've seen a lot more three-day beards on these Zoom uh, n- news broadcasts and things like that during this stretch. You know, Urban Meyer did our show the other day on twenty-four-seven Sports. He had a little, little bit more facial hair than usual. So yeah, and Pruitt to- did too. Actually, when he did uh, the social distance video with Barton Simmons, he had some. He hadn't shaved in a couple of days either. I think yeah, it seems like we're starting a movement. Cool. We're starting. A mo- yeah, this is not three days. This is like a three-month beard. But you know. Yeah. I'm just telling you guys, uh, go do that. And before we step out of here, I'm going to say this too, guys. Uh, before I play this music, I'm going to do this one more time because you need to hear this. Go review and rate the podcast. Go do it. You don't have to stand on any tables to give us a five-star review. You can just click a button. Yeah, I mean, how many how many five-stars do we need to tell you about before you'll give us a five-star rating, people? Just go do that. That's all I'm saying. Guys, anything else before I hit this music and get us out of here? Shave your face. <laughs> Anything uh, that's not constructive criticism related to my face before we step out of here, guys? No, just just stay tuned to Go Balls twenty four seven. It's been busy, and it's I, I don't know that we're slowing down just yet. Uh, it's been a, been a wild stretch, and uh, and Tennessee's keeping us on our toes and not letting us really relax, which is it's kind of fun. Glad glad we have sports news to talk about. That is nice. I do appreciate that. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, who is very selfish, is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. I usually say the names in a certain order, kind of alphabetically a little bit, but then I had like the clockwise view of the guys on the screen, so that was a little different. Regardless, that's where all of us are on social media, or if you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can go to twitter.com slash govals247 and get that, or you can go to facebook.com slash govals247. We got tons and tons of good stuff there. Thanks mostly to Ramey, who does an awesome job with our Facebook page. Or if you want that uh, delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the source, just, just delicious, right at your fingertips. 
go to GoVols247.com. Got all kinds of good specials this month. And uh, if you go ahead and sign up for us and you pay us your real American dollars, or we, we accept euros too. We're, we, we don't complain. We'll take any currency you got. If you do that, we will give you, for the value of $100, 100 USD per year, CBS All Access, which is everything in the CBS library, tons of stuff. You hear me talk about this all the time on the podcast, but we still have members to this day who don't take advantage of that because that's that's $100 we're just giving you guys every year. Just go sign up, you know, get, get with us, and then get that $100 value. We're all sitting around right now. You've gone through everything and all your other streaming services, right? There's a ton of stuff on CBS All Access. So go do that. And if nothing else, I guess we'll see y'all Thursday or Friday, unless there's big breaking news before that. And God knows that's possible at this point. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.